0: You're listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the neuroscience one, of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. When I saw what had been asked to do a neuroscience episode, the first person I thought to ask was Stella Collins. Stella's an expert on the practical application of science-based learning in business performance. She's the author of a sell-out book, Neuroscience for Learning and Development, and a number of other business books. And I've heard her speak and met her at international conferences, um, and she knows her stuff about neuroscience. So it was was a no-brainer, so to speak, to ask her to appear. When I spoke with her, she mentioned that she has a cooperative team called the Brain Ladies, and so this episode, the neuroscience one, is a recording with Stella and her team. Our second guest is Rhea Van Dinteren. Ria is an established author of six books on neuroscience, has a master's from the University of Roehampton, and her central themes are leadership neuroscience innovation. She's the head editor of TVOO, the Journal for Development in Organisations from the Netherlands, and Mia conducts masterclasses on using brain techniques. In 2017, she received a Lifetime Achievement Award for her work as an Innovator of Learning. Our third guest is Margie Meacham. Margie is one of the foremost experts in educational neuroscience and artificial intelligence, and takes a very strong evidence-based approach to help organisations filter through the noise. She is also an author and her book, Brain Matters, How to Help Anyone Learn Anything Using Neuroscience, is a really good read. I highly recommend it. The fourth of the Brain Ladies, Caitlin Nyman's, wasn't able to be on the podcast. But you'll find her, Stella's, Ria's and Margie's details all in the show notes. So, this is Women Talking About Learning. This is Stella, Ria and Margie talking about neuroscience.
1: Hi, Brain Ladies. (laughs) It's really, really lovely to see you. Um, Just so everybody else knows, I'm Stella, the English one. Ah, and I'm Margie, the American. Hi,
2: and I'm Ria, and I'm from uh, the Netherlands. And we are also missing someone, and that's Katelijn. She's from Belgium, so sometimes I get a little bit of help from her because you are speaking so good English. But anyway, everyone knows then who is who if they hear our recording.
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Catalina is our other great friend. Um, So I think we're gonna chat about neuroscience a little bit, aren't we? And I'm actually very curious because I know how I got into neuroscience, but I'm really interested as to how both of you got into it. So Ria, you tell me first.
2: Okay, well, actually, that's that's a, a very interesting story, because the first time I got in touch with neuroscience, I thought, well, I don't know what this is, but I don't think it will work. Um, at the moment, I, at that time, I was working as an editor for a magazine, and we always, um, well, we always wanted to have new trends in our magazine, and someone said, okay, you have to look at neuroscience, because that's a trend that we can't miss. And actually, at first, I was a little bit skeptic, and I thought, "Okay, is this it?" And as it's grow, as the uh, the articles grow, and my interest grow as grew as well. So uh, at the end of the day, I was like hooked on neuroscience because for me, neuroscience was the field that um, that brought it all together. You know, I was always wondering how. How is it possible that I can work with people that are very uh, demotivated to learn? And when I came in touch with neuroscience, I knew what I was doing to to keep them learning and entertaining and motivating and and so on. So for me, it was like the, the, the underpinning of things that I already did. And I didn't know that I was doing them from the neuroscience perspective. So since then, I'm writing books, doing all kinds of stuff with neuroscience. So that's it. And Margie, what was
3: your start? (laughs) Well, you know, only in sometimes you only realize your path when you look back at it. Right. You don't really know when it's happening. And when I was a little girl, I couldn't learn how to read. Um, I really struggled with it. And... um, While my family helped me learn how to read, actually, my little sister uh, found the way to help me learn. And after that, I was in pretty good shape for school. But I always had to work a lot harder. I had to take massive amounts of notes and lots of hours studying and a lot of repetition. I just knew that's what my brain needed. And it wasn't until I was in college um, studying to be a teacher that I took a course on special education and identified that I am dyslexic. And I said that to my professor, and she said, oh, trust me, you would have known, but uh, apparently not. And you know, we did the tests. And of course, there's a, a range of spectrum of how that presents to yourself. But what that taught me is the uniqueness of every brain, not just mine. We all have a unique way of learning and seeing the world. Um, and so naturally, my favorite learning theory when we studied that was constructivism for that reason, because that made sense to me. And a few years later, I was at a conference and a neuroscientist was speaking to educators and giving us all this data and these fascinating new discoveries and beautiful images of the brain. And I just, oh, what a beautiful thing we have inside us. And I got very excited about it. And I went up to her and, and I asked her, What can we do with this? And she said, that's for you to figure out. And I took that as a personal mission at that moment and started getting educated on it. And you had to go out. Um, Ria, you mentioned, you kind of pointed to this. You had to go seek the information. Um, We had to to find the peer-reviewed journals. We had to make the contacts um, because it wasn't quite on the radar yet. And it wasn't that easy to educate yourself at the beginning. And now it's just integrated into how I think of my work and my life. And, you know, uh, this past year has given us many opportunities to reflect on what's happening to the brain under some very challenging times. Uh, So it really did point the path to what I do now. And Stella, we want to hear from you. So I
1: actually really started on neuroscience a really, really long time ago. Because I was doing psychology at university and I was just fascinated by the biology of what made us think, what made us learn, talk, you know, all the perform, behave, everything. Um, And I actually started, I have a published paper with my name on it um, that was all about using uh, studying the superior colliculus and attention with a view to seeing how dopamine affected Parkinson's disease. And I know some of the research I did back then, you know, as an undergraduate got published and has been used in kind of work on Parkinson's disease. So that was kind of how I started. Um, So I kind of kept this real interest in in the biology of the brain and, you know, what was going on internally, Um, went into IT, didn't really think about it much. And then I ended up in learning. And of course, as soon as I was back in learning, I was Mm -hmm. immediately thinking about, so what's the mechanism of what's happening as we're learning stuff? And as I was working through my kind of career in LD, I kept coming across stuff that I'd learned at university that either would say, well, that's rubbish. You know, I, I know that's not true. I, I Or it's changed hugely since I was at university, but, you know, I did a good degree. It was a science degree. So I started questioning the a lot of what was being talked about in terms of LD. And then that just kept bringing me back to the science. And then, of course, as I kept coming back to the science and the scientific rigor, the more I got interested back in the neuroscience and i you know for years i've been watching horizon and you know programs on your brain and how your brain works so for me it was just kind of a, an evolution from from that work i did all those many years ago
2: yeah i, I was just thinking we're getting old you know like, oh yes oh you know, <laughs> yeah it was years <laughs> ago that we did all that stuff those stuff of the, about the brain yeah. and i do think we have a lot in common i i do remember that Uh, I met Katelijn because she's not here. And, you know, we started with Katelijn. And I think that's something that's worth uh, uh, telling here. Yeah. Uh, She was studying Mm -hmm. neuroscience uh, in Maastricht, actually, in in the Netherlands. And I met her at a conference. I was already... um, uh, doing a lot of talks and a lot of research uh, uh, with uh, with the brain in mind, wrote several books, and then there was this congress, and she was, you know, young neuroscientists uh, talking about the brain, and um, she thought, okay, all those people at that congr- congress who are uh, uh, talking about the brain, how nice will it be if we can all get together and have a nice dinner? And uh, actually she was the one who organized that. And, you know, a lot of men just didn't want to come. So it was at the end, it was just me uh, and uh, a few other people, friends from her company and so on. That were there at the dinner, and at the dinner she talks about you, Stella, because ah. she said, "Okay, you have to meet Stella. You have to meet Stella because Stella is also just like us, just fascinated by the brain and how it works in L and D. So we have to meet, and then we met the three of us, and dinner. Margie came along. So it's it's like yeah. the history of our of our brain uh, lady uh, group, and she was really a big." part of uh,
1: um, bringing us together at least and for me that's, it was. yeah that's really important isn't it because I think before that I didn't really I knew some other people well no I did I think I actually knew you Margie but we hadn't really had a conversation but I knew of you and there were some other people mm-hmm. I knew of
0: we but had I think what Kataline,
1: yeah yeah I think what Cataline did was she really caused that real connection that physical connection yeah. that and, and then we started talking about us being the brain ladies, which was, you know, really yeah. fun. And we had a big debate, didn't we, as to whether we should call ourselves the brain ladies. And was that yeah. a good thing to do or not a good thing to do?
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. But I'm, I'm glad we did. I, yeah. it, it works for me. I'm uh, I'm happy to be called a lady. And I love it. it just uh, I often introduce myself as one of the brain ladies. I'm really yeah. I'm proud of it because yeah. in that me little too. term, it summarizes how we came together from. Different locations and different perspectives, and uh, now we get together as often as we can, which we were commiserating right before this talk is not often enough lately. So, we need to uh, we need to address that, ladies, as soon as we can. Um, uh, yeah, I I did a workshop um, that Catalina was attending. <laughs> I was so honored because she could have taught it, you know, um, and so we just kept talking and talking. And then she let me know that she was pulling this group together. And uh, of course, you know, I wanted to be in. So I think it's a great model. It's a great example of when we talk about women talking about learning, um, we do have a sense of collaboration and a, a pull in that direction. And I'm not saying that men don't have it, but we certainly, uh, enjoy each other's company and like working together and like getting great minds together and as it happened in this case yeah and the support we give each other yeah and in this case it happened to all be ladies so why not say so that's that's who we are Yeah, Um, we did
2: talk. uh, I can remember, you know, we can all, I can, I can remember all the dinners we had together. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I I do think that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast want to know what we all did, but we also Mm. uh, had some great connections over dinners and um, uh, over a lot of nice dinners. And we did talk about, okay. Uh, what about men joining our group and then we said okay there's a difference between men groups and women groups because if men are talking about neuroscience it's always okay we know exactly uh, what is going on and you have to do this and that and so and so and you know this is because I say so and that was a very very little sentence in a very nice evening that we said okay we are working together you know we are interested in in the research on um uh, that we all do and that are um in different continents in different stages and so on and we wanted to share all these that research as well as brain brain lady so I think that was one of the things that we really loved about being brain ladies instead of brain people. <laughs> and of course we are also brain people because we meet a lot of men who are also working with us, but we want to stay brain ladies. That's what we talked about at least. And so yeah. that's, that's what we are.
3: Yeah. Yes. It's our particular that. thing. That's our thing. And what a nice thing to be. And you know, when you talk about the science, it is so Exciting and challenging to stay on top of that and to translate that into usable things that we can bring to L and D and to talent development. So I'm kind of curious about um, what each of you uh, has been doing uh, lately, an example for folks of an application just to help them visualize what Brain Lady does. So why don't we start with Stella? Okay,
1: so I was thinking about this before. You know, what do I do specifically? And I think one of the key things is actually and this came up from a conversation with a potential client the other day who was saying, well, you know, we've got a lot of engineers and a lot of people who, you know, I don't know if they really want to know about neuroscience in their brains. And Hmm. the other person who was in the conversation and I both said, oh, my goodness, our experience has been completely different because people really do want to know about how their brains and their bodies kind of interact because it's Mm -hmm. so personal to them. And whilst brains, you know, in many ways work similarly, your brain works similarly to mine, but on the other hand, it's also totally different. So in some ways, the purpose of of using the neuroscience is, is, and I have got some practical ideas, but for me, one of the purposes is actually just introducing people to themselves Mm -hmm. and helping them to understand themselves and other people through that concept of just understanding a bit about your brain helps you understand yourself better and how you can then learn you know and and, clearly in terms of learning you know explaining a bit of neuroplasticity to them really helps them um get why learning is so important and why learning isn't just you know here's a a 10-minute key piece of e-learning or here's a a five-day course and and you've learned it explain the neuroscience to them helps them understand why actually maybe i'm not i maybe i'm not a stupid learner maybe i'm not a slow learner It's a process that takes time. So that was one of the things. And the other thing I really wanted to say that, because it's so important to me at the moment, is the whole idea of um, the neuroscience of of kind of exercise and physical activity and how that important that is to our cognition and our thinking. And and knowing that there is science that backs up that kind of what I always had as a, a hunch that, you know, we needed to move to think having that evidence behind it has been really helpful for me.
3: You know, it's all about the science, isn't it? It's um, sometimes we're crit- we see people criticize or debate and question, well, is this really that useful? Didn't we know that already? And um, the answer I give is whether it's one thing to be intuitive about it and it's another thing to have evidence. Um, it, it strengthens your position. It strengthens your role um, and your brand as a professional who you know, has a scientific discipline. And that's how science works. We start with hypotheses and we go out and test them and we either find evidence or we don't. And so that means this is always evolving too, that we're getting more and more understanding but the great news is there are things right now that we can and are applying. And uh, that's what I think it keeps us all so interested in it. So every day is different. Um, and uh, we send emails to each other all the time about, hey, did you see this study? Um, I remember getting very excited about uh, one over the holidays. And boy, Stella, you were you answered me right back. So, <laughs> um, so Ria, what about you talking about how you bring neuroscience to your work?
2: Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I, I work a lot with teachers and schools mm-hmm. and so on to, to talk to them about how they can use neuroscience to improve their learning and their teaching. Uh, but one of the recent examples of what we did, especially during during the, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, is that... Um, well, actually, I did it with Catalan, so it's really nice mentioning that one. Um, well, when, when we had the lockdown, Cataline uh, called me and she said, okay, what are we going to do? Because as you remember, uh, Margie and Stella, you were already online quite a lot. And Cataline and I were saying, okay, online? Do we need to go online? Isn't there another way? Uh, you know, people in, in Belgium and people in the Netherlands, they don't like to be online. I can still remember telling you uh, that. And then uh, the lockdown happened and Cataline she called me. And it's actually very nice to tell this story to you because I don't think that you know no. the whole story <laughs> of it, you know, so, so she called me and she said, okay, so now we're going to, we, we are going online. Uh, so what can we do to help each other? And actually that's what we did. So, and, yeah. and because also the first uh, assignment that I got was from a, a big pharmaceutical company. And they said, okay, we have all these people. They are working in the front line on um, on COVID. So um, we need to help their managers to understand what happens in a crisis and what we need to do. So Katalijn and I developed a program, how to use brain principles in order to get in touch with your Um, with your employees and, and how to use all the neuroscience in these difficult times. And, well, we didn't know a lot about online, but we practiced and practiced and practiced again. And our first webinar was like two or three weeks after the lockdown. And we've been practicing ever since. And we did it so great that some publisher asked us, can you write down everything that you've learned about being online in this pandemic and actually we did so our new book about online presentation with the use of neuroscience is 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 coming out in January so that's that's really something that's very actual of what we are doing with neuroscience with with how you can use your brain what is happening to your brain when you are online all the time how do do you Keep in touch. How do you uh, prepare wonderful meetings and sessions uh, with all the knowledge that we have about the brain?
1: And I think that's, that's really, really exciting. Yeah, yeah I course. think it's really exciting. And I think it's so important that we can really use what we know about the brain to make digital not the same. It's not the same as face to face learning, but I think yeah. it can be a huge lot better than people think it can be. Yeah. just by really yes. thinking so we had a, a webinar yesterday and we got people to physically build a brain yeah. um and we could see them on we were in zoom yes. and so we got them to physically do it and some of them were even standing up they said oh yeah this is great this is a good opportunity to actually move and stand up and that's not something that people normally do but you can do that really easily online there's lots of ways of getting yeah. people to move yeah. and to walk i did the yeah. brainwave yeah did the brainwave one at an online conference yeah that's great you know we actually
2: um, um What we did with our webinar also was presenting a very huge picture of how does your hair look like? Do you have a bad hair day? (laughs) And so everyone came on camera just to show their hair. So what we are also bringing to the table from neuroscience is what do you do to engage? What do you do in a webinar to engage people? And the other thing that we do is, um, that's really a very big part, you know, the neuroscientists already talked about how to prepare very powerful uh, slides for instance and how to Mm -hmm. build up your meeting and that's actually something that we also use in our webinars and that we are telling people about how to make beautiful slides how to make sure that you are focused on the screen Mm -hmm. so we what I say to teachers is if you like a hundred sheets to use a hundred sheets you can do it online but you have to change just a little bit every Few seconds to make sure that you engage people, so you are actually the making attention. a movie, and th- that's something that we already know from neuroscience, but we haven't used it before, and now we're using it because the online um, um, world or
3: whatever, yeah, yeah. And you know, um, we were actually talking a little bit about this before we got started. That there's a great deal of focus now on this online environment, and it's given us the opportunity. And that uh, book. Um, what was the title? Let's make sure everybody knows
2: oh, the that's, title. That's, it's a Dutch title. It's in leuker, okay. an, and no one understands it. But it really means I'm really nicer when you see me in real life. So that's the title. <laughs> and uh, the, there's a subtitle saying, "Okay, how can you use uh, neuroscience to make your meetings um, uh, stick?" That that's actually what what the title is. Yeah. And we haven't translated yet, but you know, yeah. that's, that's something. Um,
3: well, you need actually, to do that so I can read it because yeah. I, unfortunately, am not fluent yeah. at all. No, but- <laughs>
1: Step
2: and, and i'll read it
3: to practice
2: yeah yeah you can read it to practice actually that, that's that's a, a thing that we always said Cataline and i when people mm-hmm. said oh can you do it online as well and then we said oh no i'm really much nicer if you see me in real life so <laughs> yeah so I, do, I don't fit in an aquarium that's also something that we said so you know it's 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 a sentence that we really used uh before
3: yeah. uh before the, all, all the lockdowns so uh, yeah yeah and, and, you know, of course, these same things apply to any learning environment, whether it's self-paced, uh, e-learning, whether it's informal learning in the workplace. Um, it, we happen to be very focused on virtual training right now, in general, in our profession. But the things we're discovering there are going to be translatable and usable in other places as well. Yeah. I had to, sorry, go on, Rhea. Oh, well, no, I was going to say what I've been doing is really um, taking a look at the flip side of neuroscience because um, neural networks, which is, what, which is why engineers do absolutely, by the way, I just wanted to add Stella to your experience. Engineers love learning about the brain. It's all yeah. about electrical signals yeah. and chemical Chemistry. interactions. Yeah, <laughs> they love it. So, um, and part of what I've been following is how artificial intelligence and artificial neural networks are Making much more progress in the last few years because somewhere some scientists decided to walk over to another one and say, "Hey, you're working on human brains, and I'm working on artificial ones. I think we can help each other." And mm-hmm. that started happening a few years ago, and it's just been exploding with possibilities. Yeah. um and Go ahead, Stella. What you wanted to
1: no, it was it was only sort of talking about the the digital, the practical aspects of digital, and one of the conversations again this was happening with a a client yesterday was we were talking about trying to make something really concrete and one of the things you know we kind of I think intuitively know that if you talk in abstract terms it's harder for people to understand if you talk in concrete Mm -hmm. concepts it's it's easier for people and again that's something that you know neuroscience backs up you can see in if you measure you know and, you know, when I think we should probably say none of us are actual neuroscience out there with fMRI scanners, we're, we're using the neuroscience that other people are doing. Um, but you can actually see with an f- fMRI scanner which parts of the brain light up when people talk about con- um, concrete concepts. And that could be that it's their um, sensory areas or it could be their motor areas. Whereas if you're just talking about something that's very theoretical and abstract, that's the prefrontal cortex and that's much more energy consuming. Uh, It's much harder to actually kind of get, you know, as humans, we we have a concept of what things are. We have that sensory concept, we have that motor concept. And if we can talk in concrete terms, that actually helps people. So talking, you know, management rubbish doesn't (laughs) help. Talking with, you know, real analogies, real metaphors real stories and and things that people can see, hear, feel, action works
3: more easily for them. And you can do that digitally as well as face-to-face. Absolutely. And now we have the science that that tells us that. So Hmm. great teachers always knew this, intuitively knew these things. Um, But for the rest of us, it helps to have very clear um, evidentiary uh, information to follow and best practices to follow, like this really interesting thing that came out last year, discovering how children read, and that at least here in the United States, people are taught letters and the sounds that letters make, and then the children are taught to sound out every word as they learn a new word to read it, and actually that's not the way your brain stores language, it stores them as whole words, basically as images. And so children that were taught that way learned much faster than children who were taught the,
0: um, what at one time was considered
3: a breakthrough, which was the phonetic approach, that it actually is more effective. So there's an example of where the science can make a big difference in how we do something. And sometimes it just makes us more confident in something we're already doing. So what...
1: So Margie, you just talked about AI and I know you've been really investigating AI and I I, I've, I've got an AI book I really
3: must read, but I haven't actually read your book. Ah. You have got a book on AI, haven't you? Yes, I do. Um, and I don't blame you for not having read it yet uh, because it just came out from at okay. Press. I'm very excited about it. It's called AI and Talent Development. And it uh, and the subtitle, which they insisted, Oh no, your book has to have its subtitle. I said, well, okay. Capitalize on the AI revolution to transform the way you live, learn, and work. I think I got that right. It's quite a mouthful. I actually um, like the subtitles better usually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's more descriptive. So yeah. yeah. Um so um, you know, what I did is I looked at other industries. I, It's amazing how much artificial intelligence is in our daily lives, and we take it for granted. Um, You know, if you watch any kind of streaming service for your entertainment, of course, a lot of us are doing more of that. Every single choice you make, how long you watch. Whoops, I think Margie's frozen for a minute. Okay. The genre you choose. Yeah, that's all. Uh, uh, That data would just be too enormous Human beings to look at and understand, but an artificial intelligence can recognize that customer behavior and continue to improve a very personalized experience for every single person. Um, we just watched a movie uh the other night, my husband and I had been recommended by an algorithm, and it was like, oh, We love this, we've never heard of it. It wasn't a big movie, but the algorithm knew, and I put that in air quotes because <laughs> you know, we don't want to start anthropomorphizing, I always have to say that word very slowly to get it right, um, our, our machines. But that's the experience we have to our brains. It feels like an actual sentient being we're engaging with. And, I am slightly concerned about AI, though. Yeah,
1: um, absolutely, I, I, you should I think be. it's really interesting. But in terms of women, because mm-hmm. of the data sets, women are missing from the data sets. And I think that's really... Series. So I don't know if you've read the book by um, Christina Perez, I think she's called, called Invisible Women. And it's really fascinating about how women do not appear in many, many data sets so that this data is skewed in terms of AI. And I think that's potentially quite, quite scary. I don't know if you've come across any of that, Ria.
2: Um, yeah, I, I do share your uh, point of view with AI. And um, I was just thinking about you. You mentioned a movie when you talked about your uh, book, uh, Margie. And actually, I was thinking about you know if if it's about women and role models and what AI is is using. I agree with you, uh, Stella. But um, I also uh, you know if it comes to role models, I don't know if you saw it on Netflix. There's a there's a it's 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 really very very sweet. Uh, a movie called Bridgerton it's about
1: oh know, I loved it yeah yeah it's really <laughs>
2: lovely but you know what's also very very lovely with this series is that um, the cast is you know it's black and white Coming all together, you know. Yeah. And at first, you're a little bit surprised. So it's not about the content of story because the story is really sweet and soft and so on. So it's nothing for men, but for women, they love it.
1: Oh, my husband loved yeah, it. Oh,
2: he loved it. Okay, yeah. My, yeah. mine doesn't even want to to <laughs> to look at uh, movies because he says, okay, <laughs> no, this is really terrible. But what I loved is that, you know, the first time I saw the um, uh, the Bridgertons, I thought, OK, this is really confusing. You know, there's a black queen in England in 1700. So that's really strange. There are also some black dukes and countesses and mm-hmm. whatever. But after, uh, you know, like 15 minutes or so, and especially when I saw the whole first episode, I thought, OK, but this is just... People who are uh, playing roles, and um, you know, the movie is is really great because a lot of people see uh, black people doing stuff in movies that mm. are really privileged for white people. So you know, like the AI is 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 doing something for uh, for men only. Is this movie? If we can make more movies with with role models. Also, the female role models, of course, but also role models, whatever uh, the 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 issue is, I think we we can slowly grow to a diverse society. So, so I really love the idea of having role models, and I think in a way, um, this is also something that um, if it's about neuroscience and women. Um, I think the role modeling is also an issue, and I think that's why I, that's be, that's why I love us being brain ladies instead of brain people, uh, mm. because I do think that people need to see that there are also women who are talking about heart issues and talk talking about applying sciences that is really yeah. new and trendy. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea.
1: Yeah. So yeah. you're and saying it's, that it's the experience of seeing role models actually, mm-hmm. well, it does, it changes our brains. Yeah, it? you know, it it's, it's, it's like... I always explain
2: it with the um, uh, with the mirror neuron system because we have that mirror neuron system in our brain, and actually, when we see someone else doing something, it also um, reflects in your own brain. So, if you mm-hmm. see someone doing something that's a female, you think, "Okay, that's a female." So, females can do this. Actually, it's it's like it's the way the neuro system, the neuro, uh, the mirror neuron system works. Well, at least for me, you know, it's a very easy uh, explanation, but it also works with mothers and babies who are trying to get them to eat or whatever, you know. Every habit has been done by someone and you took it with you. So that's what I love about us being... I
1: heard a really lovely story the other day that was about role-modeling mothers at work. And it was a little boy who his mum was working from home, of course, as she is at the moment. And he just came and sort of got his paper his school workout and set it all up next to her and said I'm coming to work with you today mummy and actually maybe corona is actually really supporting the role of women at work because kids are seeing their mums working normally they only see their mums at home but yeah. actually they're seeing women working which is you know maybe this next generation I'm sure it feels more normal to them anyway because they see their mums go out to work, yeah. but they haven't seen them actually working and actually having meetings yeah. and doing yeah. the things we do at work. Yeah, so what
3: think, does work look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: that's, yeah. that's can, very can, exciting. Can I can I close up with the remark of my daughter, who was also a female, and I hope I was a role <laughs> model, and I'm quite sure that I was a role model because when when she was like three years old, she was sitting with us in the car. And we were talking about motherhood and if you wanted to be a mom or whatever. So, um, uh, I said to her, well, uh, Emma, do you want to be a mom? Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely want to be a mom. And I was just a little bit disappointed because I thought, okay, she's going to be a mom, just a mom. So I was saying, okay, just a mom, or are you also going to do something else? And she said, yeah, of course first, I'll have a job because you have a job as well. And then I also would like to have children. So actually she wasn't really thinking about, should I get a job? That was just something that she thought was really normal. It was Ah, really something that she had to do and then have children. So, yeah. So I hope I have raised her well.
1: Yeah. And I always say to people who, when when you say to them, you know, what do you do? And they say, I'm just a mum. I always say that's a really important job. It's not a paid job, but it's really important work.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I have a fair number of parents who like to um, engage with me um, because they want to understand the brains of their child and mm. how, how best to help them, say, through the uh, lockdown, help them do well in school, help them become more social, and uh, it's, it's not easy raising a child in this world. And neuroscience can help with that as well, as I'm sure uh, Rhea has discovered with her work with teachers.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: It's been so nice catching up with you all. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really good. Yeah, and I hope everybody listening had fun uh, joining us because we certainly had a good yeah, time. Yeah, we, we always have fun when we're together. That's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: I hope you'll go and investigate the Brain Lady's work further. It was fascinating to sit in a conversation between three experts in their field. All their contact details are in the show notes along with links to their websites. And our apologies for the uh, little internet dropout at one point in the recording. These things happen sometimes. We're scheduling more recordings and have a range of topics that people have asked us to cover. So, if you've been in touch about peering, you should hear from us shortly. If you haven't heard, please get in touch again. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. You'll also find us on Spotify, Amazon Music and other music streaming services. Make sure to like and subscribe, it helps more people find us. You can find out more about Women Talking About Learning via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more Women Talking About Learning. For more of the signal and none of the noise.